Have you ever asked yourself, why does God love me? The truth is, God loves you infinitely, and nothing can stop Him from loving you. But knowing it and believing it are two different things. Three keys to believing that God loves you is experiencing the ways that He loves you. And that is that He walks with you, He stops for you, and He talks to you. So we hope that you are encouraged today as Valerie and I talk about who is God when I feel unlovable. Welcome to Living the Reclaim Life podcast. I'm Denisha. We're glad you're here for conversations that revive hope, inspire healing, and encourage you to live a vibrant life with Christ. So grab a cup of coffee as we chat with today's guest. Valerie, these last couple episodes, it has been really fun talking together about who is God. We think we know who God is, but often I think our view is skewed, right? And that's what we've been talking about is when hard things happen, when things happen in life that are hard or that we don't expect, that our view of who God is can get skewed. And let's see, we've talked about who is God when you're hurting, when you feel hopeless and hurting. And we talked about how God is merciful, that you wake up no matter what you're going through and His mercy is new, His grace is new, His love, His provision, anything that you need is new every single morning. And then next we talked about who is God when you're fearful and worried and who is God? We talked about Him being trustworthy. Yeah. And one of the things that has really stuck with me since the last time we did an episode from last week that would have gone out as episode 89 was that God is all, he remains the same. And yes. that if he did it before, he can do it again. That has really stuck with me personally. I'm like, okay, yeah. I've reflected back on that a lot. And today we're going to talk about who is God when you feel unlovable. Mm. And, you know, we know that First John 4, 8 tells us that God is love, yeah. right? So he is a loving God. Yes. You know, we talked about a lot of people fill in that blank. God is blank. Good. Mm-hmm. God is love. But what does that mean when we take it, the eight inches from our head <laughs> to our hearts? Yeah. What does that mean? And in First Corinthians chapter 13, we have a definition of what love is. So if God is love, mm-hmm. then love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not easily proud. It does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking, and it is not easily angered, and it keeps no record of wrongs. Huh. How many times do we think God has this huge tapestry filled with our wrongs? Yeah. But he doesn't. It says that our sins are as far away from the east as from the west. Verse 6 says, Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects. It always trusts. It always hopes. And it always perseveres. Love never fails. And God never fails. I think so many of the problems that we see us walking through can be tied to an unhealthy relationship to our earthly father. Because when we talk about a heavenly father, Mm. a lot of times we put the attributes that we've experienced in our life on God. And what do we call that? We've heard that called... Daddy issues. Daddy issues. Well, it's like I was saying, just like our view of God can be skewed by our circumstances, our view of God and who he is as a loving father is skewed by 
the kind of relationship you had with your father or even your mother. And I love my dad. I am thankful that my dad and mom are still with me on this earth. Like I've shared, we lost my brother, but they are just fantastic parents. I've been so blessed to grow up with a mom and dad who loved the Lord and who taught me about God from a very early age. And I love my dad. He's always been a good provider. Um, caring, loving, um, but nobody's perfect, right? And and he had a tough upbringing. His dad was in the army, traveled. He was raised by his uncle, and he had a tough upbringing, but he worked really hard. He was an achiever. He went to law school. He is a retired attorney. And so I think that value of working hard and kind of proving yourself, it made him feel lovable, right? It made him feel worthy. But when I was growing up, I felt like the times that he was the most verbal and gave me the most praise was when when I achieved something, you know, I was kind of an overachiever. I always wanted to make the A. I was a perfectionist. I wanted to do well in school. And so I think for me, having that attribute of my dad of, okay, I get praise when I do something well, when I perform well, when I achieve good grades. I was the first woman, I think first woman in our family to graduate from college. So that was a big deal. But it's easy to even our loving parents, you know, they can pass down things that, you know, maybe we interpret in a different way. And so I have seen how now with God, I often feel I have to achieve for God. I have to perform for God. I should know better. I was just sharing this with a group of ladies recently as we're going through the book, The Cure, is that I feel like when sometimes I sin or I fail, I hear this voice says, Valerie, you should know better, you know? And then I try even harder to achieve and be that good girl and that good Christian girl again. And so sometimes I see God as this father that, okay, if I'm doing good, if I'm being the good Christian girl, then he's pleased with me. And the truth is he's pleased with me all the time. And so, yeah, so sometimes I think we do, I mean, all of us have different circumstances, different relationships with our moms and dads, but that is definitely one way that can affect our view of God is how our upbringing was or how we interpreted certain things. And I think there's two different types of people out there, right, Denisha? And I think I've been both of these. (laughs) Is that, you know, there's people like me, like I grew up in a Christian home, I know that God is good. I know God is love. I know God loves me. So there's the shouters, right? It's like, yes, I know God loves me. I'm a child of God. Nothing's ever going to change that, right? And then there's the doubters. If God is a loving father, why would he love me? Doesn't he know my past? Doesn't he know what I've done? And the thing is, even the most faithful shouters, as I've been in my life, can become doubters. Well, and I think sometimes, too, it comes to our mind knowing I've read in the word that God loves me. Yes. I know that for he loved me that he sacrificed his son. Yes. Right. Mm-hmm. We know that God is love. But am I living that out? Right. That's one of our passions mm-hmm. is we know that our stories have been reclaimed, which is rescued and restored. But are we always living out? Are we living that reclaimed life? Are we living out that love of God in our life? Yeah. And I can say there's a tension for me between the shouter and the doubter. You know, <laughs> if we have a really fire sermon on Sundays and you know God loves you we are children of God I'm like yes you know and then Monday I'll be like oh but I just did this yesterday or I will doubt but if God loved me why didn't he 
And I have all of this like wrestling. So there's like a tension in me. So I would say that, yeah, shouters can become doubters and doubters can be shouters. And I might be a shouter and a doubter in the exact same moment in my life. Yeah. And so if you have ever wondered or doubted if God has ever loved you, if you have desperately searched for approval, affirmation, or acceptance, or perhaps you just need to know that somebody actually loves you, we want you to keep listening. You know, we're going to talk about fathers today. And I do have a cute story about my dad, (laughs) about me. And so I was a child of the 80s. And does anybody remember Slurpees? I don't know. (laughs) 7-Eleven. I grew up in California. You're from California. So 7-Elevens were on every corner. And like that was right. That's what the dads do. Like dads go and take the kids out, spoil them with sugar. So my dad liked to take my brother and I out for Slurpees. And one time we were walking out of a 7-Eleven. And my dad just said, I spoil you kids. And I looked at my dad and I said, well, that's why we like you, daddy. (laughs) I think he still reminds me of that. But, you know, we want to encourage you guys today that you have a heavenly father who spoils you. He spoils you with his love. And our key verse that talks about that is 1 John 3, 1. It says, see what great love the father has lavished spoiled, (laughs) lavished on us, that we should be called the children of God. And we're going to look at a time in Scripture when Jesus interacted with a father. And this passage of Scripture holds one of my favorite stories. And we're going to talk about how the story of this father and this little girl interacts with one of my favorite stories. But I'm going to read it to you. And it's from Luke 8. It says, Now when Jesus returned, a crowd welcomed him, for they were all expecting him. Then a man named Jairus, a synagogue leader, which was like a religious leader, came and fell at Jesus' feet, pleading with him to come to his house because his only daughter, a girl of about 12, was dying. As Jesus was on his way, the crowds almost crushed him, and a woman was there who had been subject to bleeding for 12 years, but no one could heal her. She came up from behind him and touched the edge of his cloak, and immediately her bleeding stopped. You guys, you see, Jesus was walking with Jairus to his house. So this was a father, a desperate father who had heard about Jesus. He came and he said, Jesus, I need you to come to my house. I need you to come. My daughter is dying. But here's the thing, you guys. Jesus stopped, right? He stopped. He was in this pressing crowd of followers and he felt somebody touch him. And we're going to get back to that in a moment. Imagine with me if you were Jairus. Imagine that you are desperate. You are just like, your daughter's dying. You want Jesus to come. Don't you think Jairus, Denisha would have wondered, okay, what is Jesus doing? Like, mm-hmm. like he's stopping. Like, doesn't he know the urgency of my need, right? Don't, you know, we pray to Jesus all the time. Like, God, don't you know what's going on in my life? Like, why aren't you intervening? One must believe that Jairus was a little disappointed, right? If not disillusioned with Jesus. Um, he may have even been thinking, hey, I risked my reputation here on Jesus. Like the religious leaders were kind of on the fence about who this Jesus was and whether he was causing trouble or doing good things. So he risked his reputation and he could have been thinking he's letting me down. You know, you could even conclude like we've been talking about that in that moment, his view of Jesus changed. And this can happen to us too. Maybe You guys, maybe someone has disappointed you 
and let you down. I think probably all of us could share at least somebody that has in our life. Maybe it was your dad who abandoned you and your family, or maybe it was a friend who betrayed you by spreading gossip about you. Maybe it was a teacher or coach who said you just wouldn't amount to much. You know, somebody at some time said something that hurt you, that made you feel unlovable and unworthy, and now it has impacted what you believe God thinks of you. There are three ways that our earthly relationships can impact our view of our Heavenly Father, Denisha. There's a lie, and then there's a truth of God's Word. You know, one of the lies that we believe is that God is judgmental, right? We were kind of talking about that, I think, is that sometimes we view God as like sitting on this big chair saying like, okay, you did it again. You made that mistake again, but God is compassionate, you guys. The truth is, we may view God as judgmental, but He's compassionate. He's like a father to His children, a tender, compassionate father to those who fear Him. Yes, He will judge us one day, but we have Jesus to thank. We have Jesus' blood covering our mistakes and our sins, but we want to see God as this compassionate God Right, Denisha, not as this God who's just waiting to just say, hey, you messed up. I can't love you. No, he always loves us. What's another lie that we often believe? I think I've heard people, too, say God is angry. Mm. You know, when I was a pastor at our church, I would hear people say, I came into church and I thought I was going to get struck with lightning. (laughs) Uh, So, you know, we tend to think that he can be angry, that he's just waiting for us to mess up, that he's going to lose his temper and Mm -hmm. strike us down. But that is not. He is compassionate. The truth is that God is patient. And there's a verse that says, The Lord, the Lord, the compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger and bounding in love and faithfulness. And so God is patient. He's not angry. Remember, love is patient. Love is kind. What's another thing that we believe about God? Well, and I think, again, back to, you know, thinking of our past and whatever is in your past, whether it's something you've done or has been done to you, sometimes we can think, you know, how could God love somebody like me, that God is somehow hateful, that God is displeased with us, that, you know, God looks at us and like the voice that sometimes I hear, you should have known better, you could have done better. But as we're talking about on this podcast today, the truth is God is full of love. His love is truly unconditional. I mean, Romans 5.8, one of my favorite verses, it says, while we were still sinners, you guys, while we were in the pit of messing up, Christ died for us. He died for us while we were still sinners, not when we got our act together. And that's what God is. He's full of love. And so that's why as we continue to talk and we're going to dive back into our our story of the father and the little girl, we want you to be reminded of these truths, especially if you're being tempted to believe these lies. So let's go back to our story. Okay. We have two daughters. We have the daughter that's dying with a desperate father. And then we have the woman who stopped Jesus. And I want to read a little bit more of her story. Jesus says, who touched me? In Luke 8, 45, Jesus asked, when they all denied it, Peter said, Master, the people are crowding and pressing against you. But Jesus said, somebody touched me. I know power has gone out from me. Then the woman, seeing that she could not go unnoticed, came trembling and fell at his feet. 
in the presence of all the people, she told why she had touched him and how she had been instantly healed. Then he said to her, daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace. So we have a little girl, right, who's sick, who can't, I love this, she can't come to Jesus, but her dad can. And the other woman, she's been bleeding for 12 years. And maybe you can relate to this woman. Maybe you've dealt with something a very long time. You know, she was considered in that culture ceremonial unclean. That means nobody wanted to go near her. This woman was isolated from society. She didn't have human touch for 12 long years, but she didn't have anyone to go on her behalf. Both of these daughters, they needed healing or they were going to die. And I think about, Denisha, I think we all have wounds, right? We all have wounds that need healing. And there have been times in our lives where people have said or done things to us that have hurt us. And these wounds linger, right? They linger and they require healing. But that's why we want you guys to grasp hold of today that healing only comes through receiving the love of a perfect, good, heavenly father. Next, we're going to talk about how we can experience the love of the father in three ways. And the first way, I love this. I love this, Denisha. He walks with us. Mm -hmm. You know, Jairus, right? Jairus came to Jesus. He was risking his reputation. And like a good, caring father, he loved his daughter so much. He didn't know what to do. And Jesus, if you know Jesus at all, right? Jesus could have spoken a word, right, Denisha? He could have said, your daughter's healed. Mm -hmm. But he walked with him. He walked with Jairus to his house. And I love that because that just shows us that Jesus is intentional, you guys. Jesus is relational. Jesus responds to our desperate cries for help. Jairus pleaded with Jesus. It says he fell on his knees. He pleaded with Jesus to come to his house, and Jesus lovingly responded. He didn't leave Jairus to walk alone, and he doesn't leave us to walk alone in this life. And we want you to know that. We want you to know that whatever your situation is, you guys, mountaintop, valley, he walks with you. He says, I will go with you. In Deuteronomy 31, 8, it says this, the Lord himself goes before you and will be with you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. And we know, we know that there may be some of you listening that feel alone. And we know that so many people walk in this life alone, but when Jesus walks with you, it changes everything. There's something special, Denisha, about walking with somebody who loves you, right? <laughs> if you're going to walk with somebody in this life, walk with somebody who loves you. I've also heard is, is Jairus. I don't know if it's Jairus or Jairus. So yeah. we'll, we'll leave that <laughs> to interpretation. <laughs> but that's so true. If we're going to walk with someone, let's walk with someone who loves you. And mm. one of my favorite parts of this story, Valerie, is mm. that he stops for the one. Yes. That Jesus, I mean, we think of standing, I was recently at a concert and there were people all over me, like right next yeah. to me, shoulder to shoulder. I got a little claustrophobic thing going. <laughs> so I'm like, if as long as I can move my arms, I am okay. But if tons of people were pressing up against me, I would not have noticed mm -hmm. that someone touched my clothing. Yeah. And so I yeah. just think that it's so beautiful that Jesus stops for the one mm. and he stops for you. Yeah. Friends, I want to say, if you feel like you're unlovable, mm. he stops for you. 
If you feel like you're unworthy, he stops for you. If you feel unseen, overlooked, or that no one listens to you, he stops for you and is there for you. And when you reach out to him, he stops everything for you as if you were the only person in the world. In Zephaniah 3.17, I love this. It says, The Lord your God is with you, the mighty warrior who saves. He will take great delight in you. In his love, he will no longer rebuke you, but will rejoice over you with singing. Mm -hmm. And that's such a great picture. So friends, he stops for you. Yeah, and then he talks to us. Jesus not only stopped for the bleeding woman, he talked to her. The woman who had been hidden in the crowd as one of the unclean now stood in front of Jesus as one of the redeemed. I love that. She went from having her story, right? We've talked about how you might have a story filled with pain, and now her story is being reclaimed. Denisha, I love this story so much because Jesus healed her, but he just didn't leave it as that, right? As physical healing. He called her daughter. He took the time to call her out of the crowd, a woman who had been alone on her life and said, I see you. I know you. I love you. And you guys, that's what God's love does. The lavish love of your father labels you as his child. We could talk about labels so much. (laughs) What labels do we have? Yes. What does it look like if we take off unworthy, Hmm. unlovable, not enough, not valued. What if we take off those labels yes. and put the label on that says child of the living God? Yeah, I know. Powerful. And that's what we want you guys to remember. Like we said, the three ways to experience the love of a good, perfect father, our heavenly father, is that he walks with you, he stops for you, and he talks to you. But you know, Denisha, kind of backed our story Maybe people not familiar with the story may say, wait a minute, you know, what happened to that Jairus dude, right? <laughs> like, like Jesus stopped for the bleeding woman, he healed her, he calls her his own, but then what? Well, the story picks up and it says, while Jesus was still speaking, someone came from the house of Jairus, the synagogue leader, and says, your daughter is dead. Don't bother the teacher anymore. Hearing this, Jesus said to Jairus, don't Be afraid. I love this. Just believe and she will be healed. And when he arrived at the house, he did not let anyone go in with him except Peter, John, and James, and the child's father and mother. Meanwhile, all the people were wailing and mourning, and he said, Stop wailing. She is not dead, but asleep. They laughed at him, knowing that she was dead, but he took her by the hand. And I love this. He speaks to her, Denisha. He says, My child, get up. Her spirit returned, and at once she stood. I love that. He spoke to the bleeding woman, right? He calls her daughter, and he speaks to this little girl. You know, they said, she's dead. Don't bother Jesus. She was dead by the time Jesus got to the house, and it may seem that all hope is gone. And maybe that feels like that for you, too. Your situation You guys, I've been there. Your situation may appear dead or hopeless. There's been times where I'm like, God, where are you? Like, God, I know you're there, but I don't feel you're there. And we may feel, you guys, that Jesus has stopped helping us, caring for us, or working in our situation. And I don't know about you, Denisha, have you ever felt this like, okay, he's gone on to somebody else, 
right? Like you see other people's prayers being answered. You see other people, you know, just receiving what you have been asking God for. And you're like, God, do you care? As many times as I have read this story personally, I even preached a sermon on it one time. (laughs) That is something that never stood out to me Mm -hmm. until we dove in to do today's episode. And that is that thinking of putting myself in the shoes of that father, Mm. that he went to Jesus on behalf of his daughter. He sees Jesus stop, heal this woman, and then he heals his daughter as well. And I, I feel like there's so many times, maybe more as women, maybe not. I don't know. You restored their marriage. What about mine? Mm. Okay, you healed that woman. What about my daughter? And that mm. was a lens that I've never looked at this mm. before, is that that side of, of comparison of God. If, and, and what we want to do, friends, instead of saying, God, if you did that for Valerie, why mm. can't you do it for me? Mm. Or if you did that for my friend or my mm. pastor or this, this talk that I heard online, why won't you do that for me? What if instead we said, because I saw you do it for them, I know that you can do it for me. And every one of our walks with God is so unique and so different. Just as we love our children, you know, we have four (laughs) kids. Valerie has four kids. We have a lot of children. And each one of our kids requires something different of us. Mm -hmm. So for us, it may not happen just as it did for someone else. But God will do it in the way he has it planned for us. And so I think trusting that if Mm -hmm. he did it before, he can do it again. And trusting that we are his children, Mm -hmm. that God is love. Yeah, his love is big enough, right? He sees you, Denisha, right? He loves you. And even, like you said, even if we don't understand what he's doing, our story is not her story. Our story is not their story. Sometimes we're too busy looking at everybody else's life that then we miss what God has for us. But you guys, His love invites us to trust Him, right? We talked about last week how God is trustworthy. His ways and thoughts are higher. He sees the end from the beginning, and He has a plan and purpose, like you just said, Denisha, for your life and your life alone. So in, in this passage of scripture, we see that a woman and a little girl both needed the love of the father. Yeah. Romans 8, 38 says, nothing can separate us from the love of God, and you can believe and receive the love of God for you today too. Friends, there is nothing that you can do to cause God to love you more, and there is nothing that you can do to cause God to love you less. Can we sit in the confidence of that today? And can we know that God is patient, that God is kind, that he does not envy or boast, that he is not proud, that he does not dishonor others, is not self-seeking, is not easily angered, and keeps no record of wrongs, that God does not delight in evil but rejoices with the truth. He always protects always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres, because God never fails. Friends, we look forward to seeing you back next week, same time, same place. And remember that God loves you with an everlasting love. Thanks for listening. I pray you found hope in today's conversation and maybe even feel a little less alone in your story. Stay connected with us on Facebook and Instagram at Reclaimed Story. Want to learn more about living a reclaimed life and how you can be a part of our growing community of reclaimers? 
check out our website at reclaimedstory.com. All of those links and more will be in the show notes. And if you enjoyed this inspirational podcast, be sure to subscribe, rate, and review. Not only will you be the first one to know when new content comes out, but it is also a huge help in helping us reach more people to live the reclaimed life.